Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. So Emer, how are you? How are you keeping? Are you still social distancing? Yeah, all good, 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 as they say. Um, actually, talking about social listening, it was my mum's birthday there recently, um, in the last couple of days, and you know, you had to go and break the rules. I shouldn't say that. Um, and I went over uh, social distancing birthday, and um, I got her finally onto some technology, Philip. Wow, wow. Mm, I got How old her- is your mum? How old is your mum, Emer? She says she's 21, but I'm, yeah. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> won't go there. Um, so I got her her first iPad. Wow. My dad said, used to hear all was click, click, click of knitting needles. Yeah. Now it's click, click, click on Amazon. She's now a marketer's dream and my dad's nightmare. I'm in the bad books. I'm okay. really in the bad books now, you know. So, so. so the, the credit card has melted in the wallet then, basically. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Excellent. I, I've been barred from the front door. So there you go. You know, so. Well, well, speaking of clicking, as I probably told you in a previous show, I, I took back up cycling. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. And when I'm cycling, there's lots of clicking. My knees, my hips, my back. You know, definitely, I think... Um, I think I think I'm 21 still, as I'm nearly 50, you know. But uh, but hey, you know, these are the things; these are the challenges in life, you know. So, um, and I know your challenge, of course, of always is uh, is the social media joke of the episode. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just hoping here that my Wi-Fi might drop and I miss out, but. <laughs> Just my luck, it's not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. Um, and before we came on air today, Emer, um, I had some great news. I managed to get a new um, client. They're in the cat food business. And, oh, wow. Uh, and I spoke to the client and I said, listen, what, what won me this piece of business? Well, they said the biggest part of the strategy that they really loved was my, um, my ability to develop buyer personas. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. As ever, all I can say is, if you find today's social media joke engaging, cat lovers, I apologize out there. Um, and you'd love more of them. You are in luck. You can catch Philip's previous social media jokes and indeed all our other shows by hopping on our podcast on the Let's Get Social show on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and on the Dublin South FM website. Well, Amer, where, do you, where do you get these jokes from? I just kind of, I do my research, like every good kind of strategist, I, I do the research. Um, <laughs> I thought it was perfect myself. <laughs> it just gets can I go home? Some, you can, of course, yeah, I know. <laughs> but listen, I, you know, I hope I haven't scared away our special guest today with that, uh, with that awful joke. Um, oh, he's not a scary cat. No, no, no. Yeah. I think, yeah, Scary I think he's, a, he's able to take it, you know. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. But I, we are... I owe my stand off. I owe my stand off. <laughs> <laughs> but we are delighted uh, to have with us one of the top 100 digital marketing influencers uh, with us today. Uh, he's a speaker uh, by day. He helps marketing teams and business owners deliver creative digital and social media marketing campaigns okay. that outperform traditional marketing. Um, and he has a proven track record of delivering a return on investment, which is key and one of his key skill sets in the agency that he runs. Uh, and he's done this with brands such as Wall, Eurotunnel, FIFA, Nestle, and more. And uh, if 
you haven't seen the entertaining ads that he creates with his brother Lloyd and the team at Knowlton Martin while you're maybe missing out a treat. So we are delighted today to have Dan Knowlton. So Dan, you're very welcome to Let's Get Social. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to more terrible jokes from you, Philip. So this is going to be good. Well, oh, please don't do that. No, 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 no. No, I what we, what, no don't, <laughs> please. I have to do this every week. Um, I was going to say to you, Dan, before we kick things off, we ask our guests what their opinion of the social media comedian is and if you can deliver a better joke than Philip. I am terrible at jokes, so I'll go with no, and uh, <laughs> Philip's joke is the best that I've heard. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, you've got a fan now, Philip. I'm, I'm just, like, devastated. <laughs> Somebody likes your joke. <laughs> Anyway, yes, um, like we all need uh, we all need to kind of give the uh, the underdog a go, you know. So I'm getting mm, exactly. Thanks so much, Dan. <laughs> um, but I suppose we have to get to the serious part. That's what the the listeners are tuning in for. And um, I suppose to kick things off, Dan, um, you know, how did you start in marketing in social media? I know that obviously you originally were called KPS Digital Marketing, but then what led to the transition to to Nolton Marketing and what did you learn from the rebrand? Yeah, so I guess it started, I did a degree in business management and marketing at the University of Brighton, which was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't do much work, but uh, it was a good life experience. And then after my degree, I uh, worked in a graduate scheme at a company in London for a year, um, worked my way up the ranks there, and then quit, and then uh, started uh, applying the marketing knowledge I'd gained in my dad's business consultancy and um, kind of taught myself how to design a website and how to use uh, sort of Photoshop and design a logo and designed a very terrible logo uh, that uh, was KPS Digital Marketing and started my own sort of brand of my dad's company and then Mm -hmm. built the company up to start working with bigger organizations and started growing a team and then it got to last year and I realized we're working with some sort of global brands and we were still branded as the with the logo that I designed in my pants at home, not really knowing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, we, we, we sort of rebranded the business and, and now we're, the brand is more in line with the actual quality of the work we're delivering. So now we're, we're Knowlton. Excellent. And I suppose like going through the rebrand, did you find it an easy transition to essentially kind of, I suppose, communicate to your clients that you're no longer KPS, you're now Knowlton and explaining the journey? Yeah, so we, we we developed a whole creative campaign to announce this to the world, which I won't bore you with all the details, but we had a whole variety of different entertaining concepts and video campaigns that we that we mm-hmm. produced, one of which was um, a sort of entertaining campaign where we did a sketch uh, around me wanting to call the business Dan and sort of it sort of poked <laughs> fun at me trying to, to call the business Dan. Lots of different entertaining video concepts and we really wanted to to go out with the new brand with branding with a bang. So we really did go all in and um, got lots of great feedback from people saying it was a really innovative approach to the rebrand, which we were really happy with. I have to say, Dan, I do enjoy your, you've got really entertaining ads. Um, At the minute, because of COVID-19 and all, you know, Mm. what would your advice be to brands, um, you know, going forward? I mean, are there ones out there hitting it out of the ballpark when it comes to ad creation is there something that they can learn? Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of the the kind of if you think of the type of ads we produce, uh, sort of Super Bowl ad style videos. So if you think of the Super Bowl ads, have you guys both heard of the Super Bowl? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I'm not actually into American football, but obviously I know about the Super Bowl and and Mm. mainly the ads. And the reason those ads get so much attention exposure is because they're entertaining Mm -hmm. um, and they focus on what the user actually wants to to see rather than pushing a sort of sales message to to the the audience. So I guess some of the examples of brands that I really think are are doing well with this type of ad, I don't know if you've heard of Old Spice. Yep. Old Spice, there's one example of some really entertaining ads with Terry Crews. And if you just YouTube search um, Old Spice Mm. ads, there's some really good ones there. There's also a really, really, really great advert from a company called Chatbooks. Um, where it's Chatbooks is like a, a company that uh, links with your Instagram account and automatically prints out books for you every month, which is a pretty oh, wow. cool service. And they that is cool, yeah. They mm. produce this really cool viral video campaign, which again you can find on YouTube with a with a kind of mum who's the target market talking through um, a scenario of looking after the kids and how it makes her life easier with these Chatbooks, and it's really entertaining and fun. Yeah, um, there's just a couple. I mean, any Super Bowl ad. Or Christmas ads, even. I don't know. Are Christmas ads big in Ireland for you guys? Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. John yeah. Lewis. We, we'd wait yeah. for the John Lewis as well. Um, mm. Yeah. And even say Little. I think it's, is it Little or LD? I think both. Yeah. yeah. I think both. I think yeah. they all, like, even, it doesn't have to be entertaining. Those sort of emotion triggering storytelling ads where they tap into some sort of nostalgic memory in the, the, the viewer's mind and mm. really, again, help captivate the audience's attention and get them to actually watch. Because that, that's the most difficult part of an ad, getting people capturing people's attention and getting them to holding their attention so that you need to really think creatively for how you do that and that's what we do so you want something that's actually going to appeal to that customer that um maybe has something that might get the would build the loyalty up you know get them sort of thinking you know what they get me and you know every time i see their ad it kind of makes me more and more likely you know i want to go in and see these at uh, this this store or buy online from that's where a lot of small businesses still i feel you know have that challenge they don't know yeah. what direction to go with mm, we need to be thinking you know marketers if you're if you're marketing at all you need to be thinking in the mind of uh, similar to how like your favorite youtube creators or how netflix produce content rather mm. than trying to produce an advert because when we think about producing an advert for our product or service, we all result back to a traditional TV ad where you say, Hey, look, I've got this pen. It's really good. And it will help you overcome your problems of writing really neatly Buy this pen. That's mm. not interesting to the viewer. No. What is interesting yeah. is some kind of, you know, think of like game of Thrones, how entertaining that is. What, are, what a game of Thrones doing with their content mm. that, that you can learn from. Yeah. Um, and that's how you need to be thinking when you're producing your ads. Funny, you talked about Game of Thrones there. Philip thought he could get into Game of Thrones at one stage, didn't you, Philip? With that amazing yeah. hair you used to have. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I that, love that hair. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, Dan loved that hair. Like, uh, oh. picture. I remember, I remember Dan sent me over a picture of you and Lloyd in the blue shirts, um, a postcard to say thank you. I'd won, I'd won um, the. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. The piece you stick on the back of your mobile to a pop socket. Oh, pop socket, yeah. Yeah, and you had drawn a picture of me um, <laughs> yeah. with sort of oh, a goatee and curly hair, and I was kind of going, "God, I've made it." Drawn <laughs> <laughs> a picture of me on a postcard. <laughs> and oh. uh, but just to write, I did thought I was going to get into Game of Thrones, like like maybe Jon Snow's grandfather, or something, mm. maybe you know, uh, or even Vikings. But no, and my wife kind of felt that I should be uh, really needing a haircut, you know, because of a midlife crisis. So uh, 
I miss the hair, Philip. Do you? Oh, yeah, I, I don't. Just, I don't. Just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> just not the same. I'll wear a wig the next time. You know? oh, right. No, no, no. Um, now, I remember, um, Dan, I suppose, kind of following on from that whole, that whole area. You kind of, you did a great uh, keynote at uh, Digital in uh, Romania there in 2019, I think it was. Um, mm. You did talk with the Supolas, but you talked about this whole concept of advertainment mm. and this whole kind of thing of that businesses really should kind of be considering how to advertise their audience and stuff. And exactly as you said, you know, rather than just kind of producing an ad for the ad's sake, try and engage with the target audience to entertain, but also um, a bit of education as well. Could you just explain a bit more? Because our audience would be very much, I suppose, small, medium enterprises, maybe mm. entrepreneurs mm. as well. Um and they would like to maybe get an understandable, how could they mm. advertise their audience, if that makes sense? Yeah, so so just to dive into the concept and what it is, first of all. So, advertainment is just quite a gimmicky word we sort of made up that links entertainment and advertising. And it yeah. kind of it, it links onto what I was saying earlier about producing adverts and marketing content that people actually want to consume. And, you know, I've been mentioning Super Bowl ads and, uh, you know, everyone listening is probably thinking, wow we would not have the budget to produce anything like that because yeah. brands spend millions and millions of pounds and I get that. So, uh, but you don't have to have millions and millions of pounds to produce advertisement, to produce entertaining content. What you do need to have is a real understanding for your target market and who you want to appeal to. And once you understand that, you can work backwards to start to strategize a, a video concept or an ad concept that taps into what relates to that person. And it doesn't have, you could shoot this on your mobile. You know, there's examples of, if any of the listeners are on LinkedIn, there's examples, there's a lady called Shay Robottom on LinkedIn who produces these viral LinkedIn videos that are really entertaining and she literally shoots it on a, either her phone or something. You know, you can tell it doesn't have a huge budget. There's another, there's another person called Mark Gaysford who's a, owns a recruitment company. Yeah. Yeah, she produced the video with over a million views on LinkedIn, went viral, mm. got coverage across the press, across the whole of the UK. And he shot that on a camera with himself with, with not a huge, um, you know, Super Bowl budget. What you need to have is, is clever thinking and a real deep understanding of who you're trying to appeal to. And you can produce video on any budget if it taps into yeah. those culturally relevant situations that they'll get. Yeah, well, I mean, I have to say funny ads are, you know, I love funny ads because um, we all need to laugh from time to time. Like an ad for a certain opticians, uh, they have a vet who accidentally thinks the furry hat is a cat and that it's actually lost its pulse. I always think that's so memorable because, you know, you're saying, you know, your, your health is yeah. your wealth. And uh, so thanks to the cat, I've had to go and get my eyes tested or because uh, I was thinking to myself, God, I don't want to end up like the vet. Do you know what I mean? Um, I love that ad. That's a great ad. <laughs> so yeah. I feel, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's sad as well, but it's got nostalgia. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So um, what would you say? Is that a good emotional angle for a small business? You know, bringing in nostalgia, you know? Yeah. I think anything that triggers emotion gets people to take action. Mm. If you think of, you know, Look, look, if anyone's look back at your social media feed or your Facebook feed and look at the, the things you've shared. And I guarantee mm. if you really question yourself, the reason you've shared them or you've tagged your friends in them is because they've triggered some kind of emotion in you. Yeah. They've made you go, ah, oh, they've made you sad. They've made you happy. They've made you cry. They made you angry. Right. So 
as a, from a strategic perspective, as a marketer, you need to be thinking, how can you trigger these emotions in the viewer of your content, in your end user or your customer? Because when you trigger those emotions, it gets people to take action. And ultimately in marketing, we want people to do stuff. We want them to take action. We want them to click on our website, to buy our products, mm. to, to sign up to our services. So yeah, and nostalgia is a great example of that. You know, we've all been scrolling through social media and seeing, like, for me, it's like, the Nokia 3310 phone, which was a phone, phone around mm. when I was young. It's the yeah. dial-up yeah. connection on a computer that goes, ew, 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 you know, rather than the mm. broadband. Yeah. So all these little things, if I see it online, I will tag my mates and I'll say, oh, do you remember this? And I guess yeah. for you guys, you know, you'd have your own things that you remember music when you were younger and that sort mm. of thing. It worked yeah. pretty well. Did they have TV yeah, back in those days, Philip? Did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, two channels. Um, <laughs> did you? RT1, RT2. Weren't they just drawing pictures no. on the Cave walls, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My favorite program was was Ug Ug. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's it's funny actually. Like I, I would be, I would be, a, even though I never admit it, I am a very nostalgic individual. Like like you know, most say maybe Saturdays, if my wife has maybe gone to bed early and the kids are gone and I suppose what I mean early sometimes on Saturday it'd be say one in the morning because I just kind of I, I just kind of get a burst of energy but I go on to MTV and watch 90s dance mm-hmm. you know prodigy yeah. and I'm kind of I'm back in my 20s and I'm like doing big box little box in the living room you know kind of going, um, hell you know love it but, we've um, all been there we've all been there and I suppose you know and yes exactly you said anymore there are some of those ads that mm. bring you back into that that sort of kind of god that was a great time you know uh it kind of um yeah i i, I would agree um like i think something that we talked about myself and Emer that we've seen kind of taking i suppose more and more hold in different forms is the whole thing of influencer marketing um mm-hmm. and i know influencer marketing went through a, a i suppose a period where it was I suppose demonized to a certain extent because you just had you just saw people with kind of fake planes and riches mm. and all this kind of stuff on Instagram. But people are now realizing that influencers can be customers, they can be your staff, um, and also other kind of key people who are real proper brand, um, I suppose, uh, advocates as such. You know, what's your take on influencer marketing mm. and the return on investment for business based on your experience? Yeah. So um, ultimately, you know, when no matter which channel you're using, when you're trying to get someone to buy something from you, mm. you need to build trust. You need to, they need to trust you to buy something. This is why if you're looking for a new car or a new pen, mm-hmm. you can ask your friends and family, hey, do you know any good cars I should buy or where I should buy them from? Because you trust them. Yeah. Ultimately, influencer marketing is buying someone else's trust that they've built with an audience. Okay, it's fast tracking the trust building process. So Mm. if you're a completely new company, no one trusts you. However, if a very trustworthy person talks about your new company and says that it's a trustworthy company and they like it, that's going to influence other people and fast track that trust building process. So influencer marketing is very powerful. Mm. And you know, we're, we're no influencer marketing specialists, but we, we, we are friends with some, uh, Harry Hugo, who runs the goat agency in the UK, which is a, is a large influencer marketing agency. And you know, they're doing so, so well because it works. And, yeah. um, there, there has been an, a lot of, uh, bad press because, you know, in the start of influencer marketing, influencers were just 
were doing anything for money. They were selling teeth whitening that, um, you know, mm. damaged your mouth because they just could make money from it. They were, they were going to one hotel and saying, this is my favorite hotel, taking a picture because they were paid for it. And then yeah. next weekend they go to a different hotel. And the whole, the whole trust from that audience has started mm. to decline because they're just, yeah. you know, they're trying to, to act like they're, they like every product and service just for money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think um I think trust is so vital in business. Um because and then you have to be um and I think you know, looking at I suppose everyone that could potentially could be an influencer to you, like your own client who could eventually be elevated to real brand ambassadors and even getting your staff or your employees involved and showing those behind the scenes is very, very powerful. Um, and I think you're right. I think trust at the end of the day, if you're going to get into influence marketing and have someone that you're going to bring on board, make sure that they do align with your brand and they won't erode any trust that you have built yourself mm-hmm. as such. The other thing um, I was going to say is there, you know, a lot of business out there are going, okay, that's great. You know, I'd love to have an influencer, but Dan, that's not the norm. That's not possible, you know, for someone, maybe that is a new business. You know, if you don't have the budget for an influencer, what key things should you consider when it comes to ad creation? So everyone can try influencer marketing in some capacity because you can give your product or service to anyone Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you could give it to them for free and not pay them, but let them, let them use your product or service and ask them to produce some kind of review or unboxing. Yeah. And it, it, you know, yes, they may not have a million people who listen to every word that they say, but they will have a community of people who will listen to them. So mm-hmm. I guess it's about understanding your budget and what you can get for that budget. Even for us, you know, we run campaigns with some of the biggest brands in the world and, uh, one of the largest personal personal care brands in the world that we work with, we, we've been utilizing normal people to, and sending them products for free to create reviews and unboxings to use as part of our marketing campaign. Now, they mm. haven't got millions of people listening to them, but mm. when you get 20 people to, to produce these um, unboxing and review videos, and then you mm. distribute that with paid ads to, to other people, yes, they may not already have an influence, but people trust when they hear what other people say. You know, If you want to mm. buy a product or service and you want to know it's good, you want to see someone else that looks like you using it, even if you don't know them already, mm. and you want to watch and see what they say about it so you don't have to have a huge budget to to make this work that's good because a lot of people do feel you know oh i'll never get into that sphere you know you know we're we're a small business we're not you know out there that much you know they're maybe doing facebook ads but maybe as you say get somebody you know being an advocate and then it grow from there you know? Yeah, and even think like what other businesses could you partner with that mm. again that business already has some form of audience imagine if another business in your local area was also promoting you you know you could you team up with if you're a cafe could you team up with another butchers down the road and promote each other you know that's mm. a very small scale way of doing this in a small business sense that would yeah. still provide the value of helping you to utilize that influence that the other organizations yeah. got i've actually got an example of my hairdresser whenever they open again um <laughs> please just wear a cap email. <laughs> <laughs> just like you um and they have a partnership with barber so you know uh, they recommend each other and they work together and have like loyalty uh, programs and Mm. you know build out from there and they're out on social media like on Facebook and Instagram and it seems to work so you know it would be in line with what you said the the key thing is to to ensure you're 
partnering with the right people who already have an influence over the right audience. So what you don't want to be doing is just randomly picking people or businesses because you think they've got a big influence. They may not have anyone in their audience who's relevant to you. So really do your research to check their Mm. audience is are people yeah. who would could be interested in your products or services? Yeah, I think I think you know yourself, Dan and Amy both make really valid points there because I think something that I have learned as we start to maybe slowly come out of COVID or kind of progress to a new way of working is I've seen a lot more businesses becoming more collaborative in their mindsets. Mm. and realizing that community is key and that business is supporting each other and even potential competitors working together to try and help each other. And uh, I suppose just before I go on to my next official question, like is that something that you are seeing maybe in, in the UK, you know, more business collaborating because of this? Yep. And certainly in our industry, we actively seek out to build relationships with other agencies in our local area, which a lot of people would consider competitors. But um, I've spoken about this before in a number of podcasts I've been on and things, you know, looking back at where, where we've generated our revenue from some Mm. of the, 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 the largest amounts of revenue we've generated are referrals from other agencies in the local area that don't quite specialize in the areas that we specialize in. So for us, a big, a big part of our strategy moving forward is to continue to build real authentic relationships with other competitors in inverted commas. Mm -hmm. Um, because we know that we can, and we refer work back to them. There's another agency yeah. that does Google PPC that we don't do. And whenever we have an opportunity to come our way, we recommend them and, and, and mm-hmm. it kind of works both ways. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah that's probably a bit like myself and Emer, like, like Emer would be a specialist social media trainer where I kind of delve more in the, the strategy and the social media management. Mm. And we were able to collaborate where, there may be clients that she trains, but then I go in and maybe manage some of the, the content creation. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's nice. spot on. Um, I suppose speaking of strategy, uh, Dan, mm. like Knowlton and you in particular, and even KPS in its, in its, uh, in its original form, mm. you were always known for um, being very focused on achieving trackable return on investment. Uh, which is always a question social media people are asked, you know, how can you demonstrate return on investment? Can you maybe just kind of top line, how do you approach your strategy to ensure results are achieved? Yeah, great question. So, so first of all, it's crucial from the starting point to know what those results are that you want to achieve and then work backwards to figure out a strategy and a plan for how you're going to track what, what, KPIs or key performance indicators you need to track along the process to to demonstrate that you're generating those results. So for us, we utilize paid social media platforms to distribute our ads, so like mm-hmm. Facebook ads, Instagram mm-hmm. ads. And the great thing with these platforms is that everything is trackable. So mm-hmm. for example, you may be a client that comes to us and says, hey, I keep giving the example of pens because I've got a pen on my desk, but <laughs> I will, you know, you may come to us and say, we want to sell more of these pens. Yeah. So what we would do is develop a whole strategy and a whole variety of different ads that we distribute on these social media ad platforms. And we can track someone who's viewed a video of your pen, who's clicked on an ad and gone to your website, who's, who's bought your, you know, one pen or a thousand pens on your website through um, clever tracking. We can track everything from someone seeing something at the top of this sort of customer journey to Mm. to how much they've spent at the bottom end. So with digital, it makes it very 
easy compared to to other forms of advertising like television um i'm sure there is ways of tracking but with digital it's so accurate because you can literally mm. track someone seeing something clicking and buying yeah. um through through the pixels that you integrate on your website so yeah that's how we do it yeah and it's it's always a, a debate like i don't know in your experience dan especially on say the the facebook ads do you find that you have to spend always spend a certain minimum amount uh, because over here in conversations Eam and i have had with small businesses there's a sort of at times there can be a bit of a perception you no know, facebook ads are too expensive i don't get any bang from my book etc just just as an offshoot you know what's your experience on that I mean, for us, it's just the complete opposite because if that was the case, we wouldn't have a business because we, for us, you know, brands come to us with mainly with the objective of we want to sell more of these products. We want to, with the investment, say we invest X amount with you, these paid ads, we want to get a return on that. So for us, everything's trackable. So for example, at the moment, we're running a Father's Day campaign for one of the, one of the brands we're working with Mm. and Within the first seven days, we tracked 993 purchases on their website, generating a 13 times return on ad spend. So for every one pound they're investing mm-hmm. in paid ads, they're, they're tracking a 13 pound return on that investment. And it's, wow. it's, it's because of the clever creative we've used that, mm-hmm. that, that provides the answers people are looking for to make a decision to buy. So just mm-hmm. like when, when you're, if you're looking for a new hat, Philip, I'll say a hat cause you've got a <laughs> lovely hat on. If only the people could see this hat. If you think about, you know, if you wanted to buy a new hat, Philip, what would be the decision-making process you'd go through? You know, you'd potentially do some research online. You'd, you'd go on some comparison websites. You'd look at reviews. You'd ask your friends. Mm. And, and you'd be looking for answers to a number of different questions. You know, what type of fit hat do you need? What material mm. do you want it to be made from? And for us, we produce all the content that answers all those questions for you and convinces you to buy this product. So you have to be clever with the creative you're producing and map it to the decision-making process of the, the customer. And also, you need to have understanding of how to effectively target these people you know because mm-hmm. a lot of people would maybe boost posts to, to like 20 to 30 year old males because you think that that's your audience whereas mm-hmm. the really clever way of using facebook ads is through creating behavioral based audiences so targeting someone because they've looked at a product on your website targeting someone because they've watched a certain amount of of your video to do with your product so you know they've got some kind of mm-hmm. demand for your product you know yeah. it needs to be about clever targeting and really great creative maps to the decision making process that's how we make it work and it yeah. it definitely works otherwise we wouldn't have a business as i say <laughs> and we wouldn't be talking down so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no that's that's that makes a huge amount of sense huge amount of sense yeah so it's like you're you're saying about the digital strategy down um mm-hmm. what mistakes do you see businesses making that can hurt the results i mean you're talking about the behavior angle people mm. would normally go in and talk about the demographics and you know uh, their interests and stuff your angle is different now. Yeah. I think a lot of times, uh, there's, there's so much I see wrong, but let me just try and give you people. So, so not truly understanding who you're trying to target and, and, and mapping your messaging and your creative to that specific person, trying mm. to please everyone rather oh, yeah. than 40-year-old Karen who's got two kids and a dog. And you, know, you mm. want to be really specifically talking to the people you want to target rather than just trying to please everyone. Secondly, um, just not being creative and just doing what every other marketer does. Mm. So 
producing marketing content that talks about a product and says, oh, yeah, this product's really good. You, could, you should buy it. That's rubbish. And no mm. one, you know, people, people still advertise like it's a TV advert. Whereas now, because we've got so many options of devices and information to consume on mm. iPads, on our phone, on our smartwatch, there's so much information that we can consume. We can be as picky as we want to, mm. in terms of what we do and don't want to see. So mm. if you're serving me an advert for your product or service and it isn't entertaining, it isn't educational, it isn't, it isn't adding any value to my life, I'm going to so quickly scroll past that that yeah. I'm never going to even see it. So the, the, the key takeaway is to think of what, why is your customer consuming that information on a social media site? What do they want to see? And why are they there? They're there because they want to be entertained, educated, inspired. They're there for some escapism to, to consume things that they're actually interested in. They don't care about your product and service. So just creating content that says, hey, look at my new product. It's going to help you mm. is what marketers still do. And yeah. I could, I could talk about this all day, but I don't want to bore you guys too well, much. Well, actually, talking, of, talking about ads, um, and I do like the funny ones, you did an ad for a certain brand of apples. And yes. um, I loved it because you were kind of uh, lean on the, the movie angle, like E.T. Mm. Um, and I thought, my God, they must be so good. I want to go out and buy those apples. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. That was that was a fun campaign to work on. Yeah, a lot of people say, you know, my my product's boring. Uh, you know, my business is boring. No one's going to care about if I create mm-hmm. videos online. So, yeah. it, it, just like that's an example there as to how you can be. You need to think creatively as to how you can integrate your product with something that the end user cares about. Mm-hmm. So, in, in that case, we linked the, the 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 apples, the brand of Apple, with interesting movies that we know the target demo watch and would be interested in. So when they start to yeah. see a piece of content with these movies in, they're mm. going to be tagging their friends saying, Oh, look, look at this movie, Sandra or Tim or <laughs> whatever your name is. Come and watch this. Cause it's so cool. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mostly huge. Like, like I suppose talking about say Facebook ad strategy and, and all of that, obviously you've had marvelous success, you know, something that's a lot of business who are starting off with Facebook ads that I don't believe kind of embrace wholeheartedly and would love your take on it is the importance and the ability to really kind of use testing you know testing didn't different mm-hmm. to add creative you know from an image a video carousels text mm-hmm. etc you know what would your approach be to to say testing and, and its ability to yield results great question so there's so much i can talk about i try and talk about something really specific that that we're finding is working incredibly well at the minute yeah so one type of content that, that is really driving a good return on ad spend for, for our clients is, um, and I've touched on this, but content that, that, that shows a human being using and testing your product and commenting on what it's like. And, and to go into even more detail, if you ensure that you have a variety of people from a variety of demographics using and testing your audience, that's going to give you more of a chance of appealing to different people. Because if I'm a, a you know, your product or service may have people buy it from the age of 16 to 60. Mm. They could be from different countries, different ethnicities. So you want to be appealing to as many people who are likely to buy your product as possible. So the more, you know, we, we've been providing products to a variety of different people and giving them guidance on unboxing that product and we've given them pointers on the things we need to speak about so Mm -hmm. again another tip is creating these this content that helps overcome objections so if your product says 
again, the pen is coming back into this because it's in my hand. <laughs> and if it is a lovely pen. It's a lovely pen. There you go. <laughs> if, if your pen says, um, if you, if you, you say that your pen will c- continue to write for 15 hours straight because the ink is really efficient, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone you're trying to convince is going to question that. They're going to say, hmm, does it really though? So if you get the reviewers to, to test that, you know, that's a bit of an extreme example, or to test mm-hmm. the durability of it, or to say, yeah, they say that this pen uh, has got a really thick line, which is what we want. Let's test it. And they show you testing these pain points or the, these these features that people are questioning, again, yeah. that's going to help overcome the decision-making process for people who are watching this content, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's something that's really working for us. Get people who look like your customers to test your product and talk about the features that you, and test the features that you, you promote that that product does, mm-hmm. and then serve uh, social audiences ads that show people testing that product or service. Yeah. That's one, one form of ads that's really working for us. Yes, that user-generated content to a certain extent and the kind of back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, people trust, you know, or can relate to, well, I can relate to those people that are saying that this is great. So they're like me, the same challenges. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess just one more point, you know, some people might be listening thinking, I haven't got a product or or I'm a service-based business. Yeah. I'd Mm -hmm. I'd be thinking to myself, right, if you're a service-based business, let's say let's do an example. Let's say you're a cleaning business and you want to drive more business. You may say that we're a cleaning business and we can ensure that your, your house is spotless and you know, we can do it within two hours and it's great. And we use, you know, people who respect your property. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you could be thinking about those points and create content that communicates that to your mm-hmm. audience. So shows them mm-hmm. literally shows them video that, that, yeah. you know, this person who's cleaning your house is doing it in two hours is, mm-hmm. is being respectful. You know, think of the objections people have to hiring a cleaning provider and yeah. then create content that overcomes those objections. It's the same as a product-based business, but it will just be tailored towards what you offer as a service-based business too. Oh, I want their number. (laughs) (laughs) That's the cleaners ringing your office, Dan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. We are in a working environment, so apologies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask, Dan, you and your team are brilliant at always being so consistent with creating, you know, content that's relevant for yourselves and your clients. Do you have any tips when it comes to the planning aspect, creating, and then scheduling? Yeah. So we actually created um, an article and a video on our website, noltonmarketing.co.uk, which is around productivity hacks. And it explains this in a lot more detail. So I really Mm -hmm. recommend maybe we can link this somewhere or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, certainly. um, But just to give you context, the, the main thing, you know, everyone says, I don't have enough time to do X. Right. Mm. Everyone yeah, says that. I, I say that. that. Yeah. Everyone says that. Um, but what you should really be saying is I'm not scheduling the time to do X, right? Because mm. what, what gets scheduled get done. Someone clever said that once. I can't remember who it was. Um, but what we do in our agency is we uh, effectively plan and schedule every second of our day. Mm-hmm. So right. we know that we come into work every single day and we know exactly what we're doing because we've pre-scheduled it based on a monthly planning meeting we have to, to decide what we need to do in terms of client work and our own marketing. Um, we also schedule a whole Thursday every week 
to invest in our own business, to working on our business, to producing content, mm -hmm. to uh, planning content, to updating our website, to you know anything to work on our business. So the, the, the key thing to do is to prioritize and schedule the time to do what you need to get done. It's as mm. simple as that. And, and mm. again, in that, in that video, in that article I mentioned, we go into detail about how we do it and how we break it down into different segments and things. But yeah, yeah hope, hopefully that, that helps some people. Yeah, no, I, I, think was gonna, I was going to say time, time is, is everything. Time is money. So you have yeah. to, you know, make alliances for all that. You know, you're going to yeah. have days maybe where things can throw mm. out the odd emergency. But as you say, planning ahead, mm. fail to plan. Plan fail. fail. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think it's also important to say no more. Um, you know, we've, we've learned that as you start to grow, your business starts to grow, more opportunities to do different things comes up. Mm -hmm. And you've always got to think, what's the opportunity cost of that? Yeah. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm meeting that person who seems interested in working with me, you know, what else could I be doing in that time? Could I be doing something more valuable yeah. or not? So always just questioning yourself and thinking, is this the best thing I should be doing with my time? And that, that helps as well. Excellent. Yeah. Like, like Dan definitely, you know, throughout this very crazy period of COVID-19 and stuff, obviously, and even prior, you know, we've seen the emergence of TikTok. Zoom is now commonplace where everybody is doing a Zoom or a webinar. Mm. You know, video content is not going away. You know, what do you think businesses need to be focusing on as we start to now come to terms pre-COVID and beyond from a social media perspective? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think, first of all, just knowing that you can't just carry on with the, pl the plan you had pre-COVID um, because there was a number of different examples. Oh, I can't remember the company now, but um, there was a lot of uh, slating online because one brand was producing ads where there was people in the ad or characters in the ad who were very close and touching, touchy-feely. Mm. And mm. obviously at the time, the heightened time when you know, the government was saying, do not go within two meters and, and that sort of thing, that ad really didn't resonate well because, yeah. you know, it mm -hmm. looked, even though it was produced pre-COVID, yeah. it, it kind of didn't give the right message across. So, so the first thing is to just think carefully about what you're doing and will it still resonate with your audience and taking mm. that into account. Also, yeah. all of the other things like ensuring it's in line with the rules. You know, if you're trying to, prom if, you're, if you're Apple trying to promote people to go and buy your product, you know, maybe you're going to, in, in your advert or your creative, you're going to be getting them to go online to buy your product rather than going in store because you know that, you mm -hmm. want to reduce the amount of people interacting with mm -hmm. other humans. I just think being cautious and, and, and really double checking uh, mm -hmm. with what you're doing and to see that it would resonate with how the world has changed nowadays. I think that's one yeah. of the key things that I'd focus on. Yeah. Um, but also don't, you know, someone asked me on another podcast, um, you know, should you be creating entertaining ads in this sort of very serious time, which I completely understand, mm -hmm. but you know, we, the world can't stop spinning because of this. No. We can't no. all like not laugh and have fun because of mm. this. Yeah. Then we're giving in and we're, you know, rolling over. Yeah. But, you know, you still have fun, still, um, still produce entertaining content. And, and, but just, you, you do have, there is a fine line between producing entertaining content and, you know, uh, offending people by saying yeah. things that cross the line. So definitely, um, you know, speak to a wider group of people about different concepts and things. Don't just think something's a good idea yourself and go ahead with it. Get other people's views and opinions to help. Yeah. 
help me yeah. know what's what's right and what's wrong. The one thing I'll tell you is you won't get me on TikTok. Um, no matter how high entertaining it would be, it ain't going to happen, yeah. you know? I, I um, said that at 1.2. I said that at 1.2, but I'm on it now. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm sure yours would be more entertaining than mine, Dan. Um, I wanted to ask you, some of our listeners who are, say, looking to get more established on social media, what tips would you give them to build their authority going forward and influence maybe from scratch are we going back to getting your friends to start showcasing you um family what would you say um i I can only really give advice based on our experience because this is and and there's lots of ways you can do this but here are some of the things that that we've done because our our whole business strategy is based around building my personal brand and my influence Mm. in the marketing space to to attract opportunities that we then feed into our agency sort of in the back end so a number of things we've done if you're starting from absolute scratch, mm-hmm. for the first six to 12 months, you should be purely focusing on providing value, thinking the people who you want to turn into customers, what questions do they want answering? What can you teach them? How can you help them overcome problems? Mm-hmm. And purely focus on, this is what we did. For the first year, I was producing mm-hmm. tutorials, sharing everything I learned through building my own personal brand on social mm-hmm. media. So Think about that. Create educational content that provides value. That's that sort of one stream of starting from scratch. Secondly, partnering with uh, other people who already have some form of influence. So mm. things like going on podcasts like this, if mm-hmm. it's relevant to your audience, or um, speaking at events. You know, thinking where are where are the places where there is already an audience of people who you want to attract. Mm-hmm. Go to those places and provide tons of value. I know I keep going on about it, but in an early stage when you've got no influence, people are instantly judging whether that you're the type of person they want to listen to. Now, for example, if I came on this uh, show and I was instantly trying to sell our products and services, most people would be listening and thinking, hmm, don't really like that guy. He's just trying to sell his agency services. Mm. Where if I focus purely on trying to provide as much educational value as possible, then hopefully some people would think, oh, maybe I should go and follow that guy on social and listen to what he's doing. So Mm. really having that approach of provide as much value as possible. And also another thing, um, getting good at your craft. Mm. So the way you influence people is by being good at something, you know, Why do we look up to Michael Jordan? Because he's the best basketball player in the world. Why do we look up to Elon Musk? Because he's the best businessman in the world. So, so focus, on, focus on learning and uh, learning your craft, constantly testing and getting better. Because the better you get at something, the more you improve, the more people are going to think, oh, they're good at that thing. I'm actually going to listen to them. Whereas if you just, you know, you don't try and improve what you're doing, you're just going to stay at one level and no mm. one's going to want to listen to what you have to say. Cool. There's a, there's a few things there. Wow. Well, uh, it, when it, uh, all I can say is uh, Philip's jokes are not improving. Um, they're, you yeah. know, my influence on I, the jokes are yeah, declining. I, 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 I was trying to find a word there, but it's it just left me, you know. Um, Don, I can't believe we are, we're nearly at the end um, of the show. And listen, thank you so much for your time uh, because I know you're extremely, uh, we both know you're extremely busy. Um, I suppose just one final question question well it's more just 
a question observation and just kind of your your thought process for the pivot into this is i when we were reviewing obviously your your new website which uh, we really love and definitely mm. make sure when we're get the show out we will uh, link to it and definitely at the end of the show Dan tell people where you would like people to go and find more about you but I see on your site now that uh, you've pivoted into drone services or offering drone services and maybe drone services strategy etc what was the the rationale behind that did you see it as being a a new part of your business you had to get into yeah, I think to be honest, that's that is a very small part of our business. But what it does do is it helps us produce better content with, yeah. you know, like, for example, the other day, we shot a video um, in uh, some Kent based factories showing how they're changing but because of covid so lots mm-hmm. of factories have had to make lots of changes and we you know through yeah. the factory we had some really beautiful shots of a, yeah. a drone going into a factory on a huge kind of inside a huge factory so i think it just adds to the creative and it it, it, it yeah. can help make content more engaging i think when we originally did it a couple of years ago and lloyd did his commercial drone license i think we had a, a vision that we'd be doing a lot of independent drone video and things but just yeah. how the way things have turned out you know in other areas of the business we mm. we've started we've got more demand from those so so now yeah. we really just use it as an add-on to help us produce more engaging video with different sort of beautiful shots yeah, so it's, it's it's like anything, you're sort of kind of doing little kind of strategic upskilling and, mm. you know, just building on what you already do to make it better, to give a, a better services or products, you know, and that, that makes complete yeah. sense. It's that thing of just trying to be get better at our craft, you know. Yeah. Mm. We produce yeah. a lot of video content and that, that adds to it. So trying yeah. to practice what we preach a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it it makes sense. I think, like, definitely, that's something myself and Emer have embraced. You know, from teaching ourselves how to work with the producers on the radio show, on this show, then developing mm. it into a, into a podcast, yeah. creating all of the graphics to promote it. You know, it's a lot so of work. So it is a lot of work, but yeah. it's very enjoyable, and um, and it gets us to meet with you know great people like yourself to share knowledge oh, and thanks. stuff. So, I suppose, really, just to to wrap up, Dan. You know, where would you like people to go to find out more about you and Knowlton? Yeah, so our website, knowltonmarketing.co.uk, that's K-N-O-W-L-T-O-N, marketing.co.uk. And on there, it talks all about us, our business, and links to our social channels where we create mm-hmm. lots of educational and entertaining content on there. As nearly as entertaining as Philip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> You'll have, to get him on, you'll have to get him in one of your videos, Dan. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to say, Dan, it's been great. Thank you very much for oh, joining thanks. us. Um, hopefully you'll join us again. And yeah. uh, as I say, uh, maybe by then Philip will have actually crafted his social media jokes and influence more people to listen in. We can hope. We can hope. Yeah, I'm hoping. I am hoping. Thanks for the support, guys. <laughs> well, as Emer said, Dan, we'd we'd love to obviously sometime in the future get yourself back, and obviously with Lloyd. Um, yeah. Thank you again. Um, all I can say to our listeners is I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, obviously, you can catch it again and other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast, which is on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and on Dublin South of them. Uh, so please do download and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next Friday at 2 p.m., I've been Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer, Social Media Management and Strategy. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. And we'll see you again next time for some more Let's Get Social. Bye.